Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com, dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be, helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. The point of the mind is to store information. But the problem, again, insert Zen here, is that we over-identify with the mind and we do it inappropriately. And then we start to relate to things as we relate to the concepts as the things rather than actually having an alive relationship. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from Clear and Open. Clear communication could solve the majority of problems business leaders face every day. Imagine how much time would be saved if you asked your team to do something, took the time to make sure they understood it effectively, and they got it done on the first try. When you don't take the time to confirm that something has been properly understood, that time gets wasted exponentially on the back end. Following up and even redoing work takes far more time in the long run. A little curiosity up front or after the fact, did they understand what I asked them to do? Or if not, why is that? Asking those simple questions changes everything. This episode was originally recorded as part of the Claiming Self-Authority course, available at clearandopen.com. I offer weekly member webcasts, online courses, and mentorship at clearandopen.com because it's my truth that with the right tools, anyone can eliminate the people, money, and time problems holding them back in business. And I share parts of these webcasts and courses on this show because I want to help you too. If you're enjoying the show and learning from it, I love your feedback. Or if you're not enjoying the show, I'd love your feedback. If you're listening to the show on an Apple device, all you have to do is open up the podcast app, view the full description of this episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review for the show. Thanks so much for listening. Let's start the show. You can see this in anything, business coaching. Same thing in management. Uh, My people won't do uh, what I tell them to do. I need to fire them, get new people. Okay, well, what happens when you tell them what to do? Well, they nod their heads and uh, then they don't do it. Uh Uh-huh. Well, how do you know they understand what you want them to do? Well, they nod their heads, right? Well, but do they actually say in their own words what you want them to do? No, that takes too much time. Hmm, How interesting. So you're saying you don't have enough time to actually manage your people and get them using their own words to understand what you want? Why is that? Because my people make so many mistakes, I'm always following up with them. Oh, do you see the loop there? How interesting. How do you make that loop happen? I see some nods. That's like the archetypal manager versus supervisor thing. That one thing would solve like half of the world's business problems, maybe more. Do you know what a profound waste of resources happens every day? When people have to be followed around to make sure they do what they already agreed to do, it wastes hundreds of billions of dollars every day. And the only reason it happens is because when someone doesn't do what they say they're going to do, the manager isn't curious about how that happened. That's it. That's it. Huh. I said, do this. You nodded your head. And then something else happened. Have a seat. Let me get you some coffee. Let's spend a half an hour talking about how this happened. That's curiosity. That's accountability. 
that's responsibility. But if you feel, oh, who's got time? We're on to the next thing. Well, people make mistakes sometimes. You know, that's just how it is. People need management. No one cares as much as I do as the manager or the owner or whatever. All of those are excuses. All of those are turning away from actually being curious. What actually happened? Let's get intimate with this. What really is going on? But because of our childhood conditioning, where the first intimacy was supposed to be with our parents, we got taught that intimacy has strings attached at best or leads to abuse at worst. So our conditioning around intimacy is that's scary. Our conditioning with intimacy with people is that's scary. And then that translates into intimacy with everything because our parents are the world when we're infants. They are the world. So when you have intimacy issues with your parents, which all of us do without exception, you grow up and you project those intimacy issues onto the world and everything in it. And it creates an overt or subtle turning away from reality. And then you can't get to the root. You can't be responsive, you can't be curious, and then you can't be relational, which is the third principle I want to talk about today. When you're responsive, something happens, and then you're secondarily curious, oh, what's that about? If if this arose, now I'm curious about it. When you follow that curiosity, you enter into a relationship with the thing. You begin a relationship with the thing. I mean, if it's someone or something you've interacted with before, you continue the relationship. But there's a relatedness. There's a relationality. And it's I don't like relationship so much because I feel it's a noun. Relationality to me or relatedness speaks more to a has more of a fluid feeling to it. So a, a relatedness with something is an expression, an ongoing expression of curiosity. You know, like The easiest example is when you're falling in love with someone. When you first fall in love with someone, you're incredibly responsive, right? It's like everything they do is really super amazing and interesting, isn't it? You're hyper aware. And then after you get used to the person, say you get married, you move in with them or whatever, and you get used to them, you start paying less attention, don't you? you? You don't experience their behavior as unique like it is, because every behavior of anyone in your world has never happened before just like that. You're not supposed to modify unique. It's not completely unique. It's unique. I want to say totally unique, but that's bad grammar. It's unique. It's never happened before, but we don't relate to it that way. We go, oh, there they are brushing their teeth the way they do again, or walking around the living room flossing. I hate when they do that, or now, they always crack their eggs in this way. I wish they wouldn't do that. We get inured to it, and we start to sort of push away, or you know, honey, I'm home. And it's like, for some reason, it doesn't have the same, you know, magic that it did way back when, because just we become inured. We're no longer experiencing the unique reality of it. That's what happens when we get too familiar and start to shut down to the amazingness of every moment, the uniqueness of every moment. So relationality is a constant re-upping of Uh, responsiveness and intimacy and curiosity and what's happening now, what's happening now, what's happening now, what's happening now. That's aliveness, you know? And I don't know 
you know, it's like I try to think of an animal besides a human being in the world that can shut down like we can. Like even my cats that sleep 16 hours a day, you know, there's a loud sound, boom, they're ready, you know? They're ready. They're, and you can snap. One of the tricks I learned is to make sure if cats are unhealthy, if you snap around their ears, they'll, they'll be less responsive, but their ears turn around like radars. Even if they're just like dead asleep, you, know, you snap and they're just like, well, what's that? What's that? What's that? And that's why you can play with cats with things like string. They have this built-in responsiveness. Like you do something that's like a bird or a mouse and they're like, ooh, what's that? What's that? Even though they know it's not a bird or a mouse, they still, they're curious. They're engaged. They're intimate with it. But human beings are really good at shutting down that curiosity. Like why? Because of the wounding related to intimacy. Because intimacy is raw. Go ahead. You would love the book um, by John Gray called Feline Philosophy that I read recently. <laughs> I love it already. It, it's really, really excellent. It uses cats to frame like all our whole thing. And it says exactly that, uh, what you were talking about with curiosity and how we use concepts to shut out yes. and like substitute for and heuristics to substitute for actually understanding the world. Ooh, heuristics. And so our yeah. actual sensory capacity is pretty bad compared to... It is, yeah. Uh, the good translation for a heuristic, that's, that's a metaphysical vocabulary word Zach just dropped on you. That's like a rule of thumb. That's a good translation for it, a rule of thumb. We just sort of extrapolate, okay, this happened, this happened. Like, you know, so-and-so did this, and then he did this, and then he did this, and then he did this. So he's responsible or irresponsible or whatever. We, we form a concept in order to sort of draw a circle around a bunch of behaviors or experiences so we can create a box and then we don't have to pay attention anymore. And that's what the mind does. It's completely useful. It's very productive. You know, that's how like every time I go out in the yard and, um, clear my land of philodendron, I'm so glad I have the box in my head that says, that sap, it will give you welts like poison oak. If I didn't have that box, it would happen every time. And I would go, why do I keep getting these itchy welts? This sucks, right? So the point of the mind is to store information. But the problem, again, insert Zen here, is that we over-identify with the mind and we do it inappropriately. And then we start to relate to things as we relate to the concepts as the things rather than actually having an alive relationship. And this goes back to what I was saying about uh, what happens in, in romance. The, the reason romance tends to fade is because, not entirely, there's some that's inevitable, but uh, I'd say a good 60, 70, 80% of the reason the excitement in romance fades is because you stop relating to the person and you start relating to the concepts of them that you, that you have. That's what happens. And that's what you will do with everything if you think you are your mind. That's the spiritual side of it. And if you have intimacy fears that are undigested, that's the personal side of it. Both of those need to be worked. It depends on the cat, but most cats are uh, quite awake in the Zen tradition in that way. Like literally, you, they're here, but also not here. Some more than others. But yeah, if you... you you, you can actually do a form of meditation of just looking in a cat's eyes and trying to meet them where they live. And you'll see like there's a personality that comes through every once in a while and then they're just gone. And then you see if you can follow them to that gone place. You can, that's actually productive meditation. Thanks for that, Zach. Anything else? 
I've covered most of what I want to cover today. Stuff about the code that came up for you. Joseph, is there anything you would say attributes to the world's or our general lack of curiosity uh, apart from the wounding and the pain? And I'm specifically thinking about how perhaps there's something upstream from curiosity between curiosity and I think you said uh, the relational aspect of it. Is there something... What comes before curiosity? That's a kick-ass question. What comes before curiosity? Truth. It depends on what you mean. If you mean like, that's what you find with curiosity. That's like covering truth is curiosity in a way. Like you lift up the curiosity blanket or something. But like what has to arise for there to be curiosity? Yeah. Essence. The, the true you. I mean, I don't know how I can, I, I don't think at the level of personality, not much because curiosity is that foundational. I mean, I, I'm asserting here that curiosity is an aspect of your very soul. So it's intrinsic to the authentic self, to the soul, to the heart, to the holonic fractal aspect of God that you are. That's what I'm saying it is. So in one way, I could say, no, there's nothing, you can't break that atom down into more parts. It's that intrinsic. It makes me want to write a, write a book called Curiosity. You can see the font on the cover. What gets in the way? We talked about, there's so much fear of intimacy, fear of the truth. Uh, I once had this, uh, one of my most glaring stories of um, aversion to truth. I was working with a, a business and I knew uh, we were working with, uh, how do I tell this quickly? We we're working with, um, call those things, uh, productive labor costs, like in dry cleaning and in uh, restaurants. There's in a lot of, where there's a lot of direct labor, like the more work there is, the more labor costs are. Um, in, in these businesses, it's really important to tightly manage the percentage of, of productive labor. And Anyone who's successful in an industry like that manages it to like to the percentage point, sometimes even closer. And I was talking with this person about their productive labor. And I said, do you know what your productive labor percentage is? Because it takes some work. You got to have a well-organized P&L to be able to figure that out and all the back-end reporting to be able to get that. And they said, no, I don't know what it is. And I said, you know, and I went into the spiel of why it's so important. And then the person said, I will never forget it. They said verbatim. They said, I don't want to know it because if it wasn't what it's supposed to be, there's nothing we could do about it. Oh, I wanted to claw my face off. It was like, that is such a stiff arm to the truth. Like, how do you know there's nothing you can do about it? That's the opposite of curiosity. Instead of the willingness to be like, oh, look, it's 32% and it should be 25%. Let's look at how, how is that happening? Now, I, I could understand in that moment, they'd be like, oh, crap, it's whatever, eight, nine percent more than it should be, what are we going to do? That would be understandable. But then just like that moment with my accountant, like, okay, breathe. Let's get curious. Let's ask some questions. How is this happening? What could be done? But the fear really is the opposite of curiosity, you could say in, in the deepest summary of it. Fear is a contraction from truth. It's the opposite of curiosity. Fear says, no, I can't look at that emotion, that ratio on the P&L, that aspect of our relationship, that 
closet I haven't cleaned out. You know that feeling when there's a mess in the corner and you're like, oh, I don't want to look at that closet. I hate that closet. That's just what happens in, in the ego, in the, in the human defense system. It, it contracts. And that's because as children, when we got hurt, that was the only thing we could do was contract. There was not enough personality to go, oh, well, my parents are treating me like crap in this moment because their parents, parents treated them like crap. We can't do that when we're three days old, much less five years old. So, you know, you just contract emotionally. And then that contraction is the shutdown from curiosity. So again, I, I can't emphasize this enough. Curiosity is the natural state of a healed human being or healing human being. And it's how you get intelligent. It's how you get aware. It's how you get competent at anything. Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the clear and open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, know that Clear and Open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. If you want to help the show grow, I'd appreciate you leaving a rating and review on iTunes. All you have to do is open the Apple Podcasts app, view the full description of the episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review. Or you can go to clearandopen.com slash review, and it will bring you to the right place. If you're looking for more support on your journey, head over to clearandopen.com for even more tools, articles, and free resources. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.